This is John DeFalb from John Sandow's Bookshop in London. I'm delighted to welcome to our podcast today Edmund Duval to talk about his new book, Letters to Commando. It is very short, subtle, brilliant, and it is extremely powerful. Many of you will recall The Hair with Amber Eyes, published in 2010. I must admit to a personal interest here, for in those days I used to review regularly for The Spectator, and when I stumbled across a proof of the book, I urged them to let me review it. We subsequently sold several hundred copies and more than a thousand paperbacks. It concerned a collection of Japanese netsuki, little animal figurines which Edmund inherited from his great-uncle Iggy, who had lived in Tokyo for several decades. By reflecting on the history of those figures, how they came into the family's possession, who had handled them in what context, Edmund took us into the world of his forebear, Charles Efrussi, the fabulously wealthy son of a Jewish merchant and banker from Odessa, an aesthetic connoisseur in Belle Epoque, Paris. He was a patron of the Impressionists and friend of Proust. Indeed, he was the model for Swann in A la Recherche du Temps Perdu. He gave his collection of Netsky to a cousin in Vienna, where they became part of the treasures in another vast Efrussi palace. Everything was destroyed there by the Nazis, but the Netskis miraculously survived and came to Edmund. All this is worth bearing in mind when you come to letters to Commando. It is also worth bearing in mind that Edmund is a potter, whose vitrines of carefully placed exquisite porcelain vessels are celebrated throughout the world. Incidentally, some of you will also remember the wonderful talk he gave at the shop following the publication of The White Road, his book about porcelain. So now, Edmund, thanks for being here, and tell us what your new book is about. Well, it's a huge pleasure to be with you, um, virtually, <laughs> today. Um, so the new book is, it's about many things, but at its heart, it's really about memory and memorial. It's, it, it's set in Paris, in the Rue de Monceau, the, the, the street on the edge of the Parc Monceau, where my Efrussi family lived in the 1870s. And if you stand in front of the uh, Hotel Efrussi and you walk down the hill, <laughs> 10 huge houses later on your right-hand side, you come to the, the Camondo, the Hotel Camondo, the Musée Nissim de Camondo, which is a beautiful golden recreation of the Petit Trianon. And you walk through these great iron gates into a beautiful courtyard, and there in front of you is this extraordinary house. And you walk in through the doors and you're in um, an extraordinary, painful, beautiful memorial. It's a memorial put together by this collector, Moise de Commando, for his son, who was killed in the First War. And basically my book is, is a conversation with the man who created this house. Um, and it's a series of letters. Um, it's a series of, of letters about all kinds of things that matter to him and matter to me. Um, he died in 1935, he doesn't write back, but the, the book is, is me trying to test out 
various things with him. The world that you described in the How with Amber Eyes is all gone, whereas the world of Moïse de Camondo is preserved precisely as he decreed it to be, declared, to, to be left in his will. Um, so everything is preserved um, and still there. How does that affect your seeing of it? In one case, you're seeing an absence, in a manner of speaking, and here you're seeing a presence. Absolutely. I mean, it, he was so particular that what he wanted to do was to create a house um, in its entire, everything was um, judged and adumbrated and, and, and positioned um, like a great sort of musical score, um, objects, porcelain, bronzes, pictures, furniture, carpets. And these are not ordinary objects, they're the best of the best. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an extraordinary um, attempt at, at, at keeping an idea intact. So he had this idea of making a house um, that was going to be the most beautiful reflection of 18th, civilised 18th century France and give it to France as um, a gift in memorial to his, his, his lost son. So there he is. He's a, 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 from a great Jewish banking family in Constantinople. He comes to, 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 to Paris exactly the same time that my family arrive from Odessa. He's sort of um, emigre, migrant, uh, um, plutocratic Jewish families arriving in Paris at the same time. And Moïse de Camondeau has this vision of, of collecting everything and then keeping it, as you say, Johnny, keeping it intact, um, because he wants people to go in there and, and, and feel this sort of pulse of, 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 of the beauty of that particular moment and the pulse of his gift. He wants people to know that he, he loved France, that his son gave his life to France in the First World War, and that this is his gift back to France for, for allowing the family to, to become French. It's an so. It's, it, so you walk into this house and it's absolutely stuffed with this poignancy of, of, of the gift-giving. And um, the, the date is... Well, we'll come back to, to, to the, the, what happened about the gift, but the date, of course, is important, 1935. Um, the ghosts in Vienna were your ghosts and those of the White Road were not... And these and letters to Commando, how, how personally connected do you feel when you're walking around the Hotel de Commando? I feel very personally connected. I, so the, the, connection, the connection is really built over the last 10 years. So it's, as you say, it's about 10, 11 years since I published The Hair with Amber Eyes. And that book, of course, took me years of travelling and writing and researching and archiving and all that stuff to actually put together so it's been a book that's been in my life for a very long time but in in the years since then of course I've been that the sort of afterlife of the hair with amber eyes has been that I I've you know um I have a new family um people cousins this great sort of diasporic broken family um got put back together again, really, because of the book, which is a strange and wonderful thing to, to reflect on. Um, 
uh, uh, but my father is still with us. He's in his early 90s. He's, um, the book took him back to Vienna. He's just reclaimed Austrian citizenship, which is incredibly moving. So there are all these acts of sort of repair and restitution and reparation that are going on, swirling around in the last 10 years since the book. Um, but ca- come on, though, but when I go back to Paris and I go back to this house, which I've known and loved, and I go into this house, and as you say, it's full. It's full of, of the presence of Moïse de Camondo, uh, but of also the absence, uh, extraordinary, um, raw absence as well. Uh, and this is a house that were of, of cousins of my grandmother's. This is second cousins of my grandmother's. She knew them well. Um, uh, and she talked of them. Um, and so it's, it's part of that same journey, but the, but the, 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 the rawness of it... Um, the rawness of that encounter um, is is present and fresh and real, which is why suddenly, <laughs> out of nowhere, I felt the need to start to write t- last year to Moise. Um, mm. did, I, this is not a planned book, Johnny. This is this, this is mm. no one asked me to write this book. <laughs> I, it was that lockdown in that silence. Suddenly, I found myself. With these beginning to write Can these we letters. Come back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we come back to the rawness um, and what you might mean by that? Um, for, for the moment, can I just, in, in thinking about the nature of the book, um, um, can I d- uh, quote you again something from Hair with Amber Eyes, which seems to me to have very particular resonance here which is you 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 say there you were not interested in a few stitched together anecdotes i want to know what my relationship has been between this wooden object that i'm rolling between my fingers hard and tricky and japanese and where it has been i want to know whose hands it has been in and what they felt about it and thought about it if they thought about it i want to know what it has witnessed and again i quote Objects have always been carried, sold, bartered, stolen, retrieved and lost. It is how you tell their stories that matter. How objects get handled, used and handed on is not just a mildly interesting question for me. It is my question. <laughs> you know, it's rather good, isn't it? Um, it, remains, yeah. <laughs> it remains my question. It remains my question. It, remain, it remains my question because, you know... You, Damn it, you know, these aren't just museum rooms in the Musée Camondo. These aren't just a connoisseur's collection of objects, you know, put together because he's rich and wants to show off. This, that's, that's absolutely not at all what's going on in those rooms. And so when I go into those rooms, I'm, I, 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 feel, I feel the, vib- the vibration of the objects and the spaces and his presence, damn it. You know, the, the, the man who put them together. And, I, 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 and, and, and what I feel in those spaces is him trying out an idea you know, him trying to make something which will endure. He's trying to talk about assimilation. He's talk, trying to talk about what it is to become French. <laughs> he wants to be more French than the French. He wants to become more Parisian than the Parisians. He wants, 
he he wants people to walk in there and know that he is that he is that 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 you, you that he, that he is a, a philosoph that you can sit down and and talk about the enlightenment and eat off his several plates and drink his unbelievable wine from his unbelievable cellar that's what i feel in those rooms and and i i want to talk to him about that process of becoming something else becoming someone else because that i feel very close to that <laughs> very very involved in that process the first about the first objects that you actually mentioned or right near the start not do they count as objects well the first one certainly does is a carpet the, har- the um, carpet of the winds i think it's called and you go, you describe this amazing carpet, or part of a carpet actually, um, where it's come from, and you suddenly you go from the physical object to the idea, to an idea again, air. And then you mention dust. And you mention dust in the context, it's apparently utterly. Uh, harmless, or it seems to be nothing, in a manner of speaking, in the letter, you mention his stipulation against the removal of dust. So you mention dust as an absence, and you contrast that with, uh, you suddenly jump to Mirandi. What's, what's going, t- t- tell us about that contrast. Well, do you know? I think I think ultimately all my books are about dust, actually, Johnny. I think because actually the the Hail Amber Eyes is 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 full of it's full of dust. It's full of my hands, you know, on documents and in archives and trailing along the facades of buildings in different cities, trying and the dust of Odessa, you know, the the the, the, the terrible choking dust of Odessa that that writers. Mention and then the white road is full of white dust, yeah. you know, from the different hillsides where all these potters attempted to make their pots over the over the millennia, <laughs> and in my own studio, and and there I am, there I am in this the the the, the, the Musée Camondo, and there's Moise saying, you know, everything must be done to keep my beautiful furnishings away from dust and from the, the penetration of light, you know, and, and all this great will, he writes, you know, pages of it about, about how everything must be kept intact because, because he wants things not to fade, not to be destroyed, not, not, not have any sense of temporality at all. He wants this moment of, of, of the gift to be eternal, you know, um, that's his gift to France, an eternal house. So no dust allowed. And then, and then I take I take us to those rooms in Bologna where Mirandi is covered in dust. His bottles, his jars, his canvases, his paintbrushes, and the visiting art historian John Rewald, Rewald, wonderful, wonderful writer, says that that actually. Mirandi understands that dust is witness. When you see dust, what you're seeing is the presence of time. You're un- you understand finally what that that time is is witnessed by dust. And so I, I bring those th- two things in 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 because I'm because uh, and actually dust keeps on going in the book because because I want to early on I want people to. To, to be worried about dust. Yes. 
And I'll come back again, if we may, to the objects. Um, for the moment, I want to consider the form of the book. It, it's structured as a sequence of letters to Commando. Each letter picks up some thread which appears to have just struck you. Dreyfus, Proust, round libraries, menus for the Louvre lunch, a list of the clubs to which he belongs. Each one seems in itself to be tangential to something. Tangential to what? You seem to be circling, offering us shards, perhaps, each with its own glint of colour and acquiring significance because of its relation to something else, perhaps light or an absence of something left unsaid. There is an echo here of one of your ceramic installations, and let, yet, like your installations, these letters are plainly a very careful sequence. Your letter form enables your perceptions to float up, to reveal like shafts of light through half-shuttered windows or something, or like an assembly of ceramic shards. Moise, his family, his world. There's something theatrical, seductive in the sequence. And how conscious were you of, of it? How, how deliberate, how careful is it? Well, first of all, that's the most lovely reflection back um, on, on the shard-like nature, um, fragmentary nature of letters. I mean, I, when, I, when I started, I couldn't quite understand what I was doing. You know, I, it was, it, we, there was no deliberation around this process. It was um, one letter uh, taking up a thread, as you say, and, and then another. And, and mm. they were disconnected. Um, they were completely unconnected. Um, it just struck me that, um, um, that I needed to talk about things as they occurred to me, um, that I, I, I wanted to talk to him about food, I wanted to talk to him about, about libraries, the shape of libraries, uh, and so on. And, I, I, um, and it seemed to me that um, I, I didn't want to write cultural history. I didn't, I didn't want to have um, a, a, an overarching narrative. I didn't want to, 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 to preach. I, I was really wanting to write to him. And and the point about a letter is that it can be any length at all. It can be it can be three sentences. It can be a list. It can be slightly querulous if you're in a bad mood. Um, it can be deeply affectionate if you're feeling sentimental. Um, and that seemed to me um, genuinely um, me wanting to talk to him in in different moods um, and and um, reflect. Um, my changing reactions to his his legacy and to his family and, and to and to uh, what he was thinking about when he was putting this great house together. So it, it, it seemed to me that that was the way to do it. And um, but the incremental nature of letters it strikes me as really quite interesting because you know they, you shuffle them around i mean um some things follow on from another and then actually some things seem to take you back into strange territory um or 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 or, or, or jump and i it felt felt to me very important that that perhaps you you might when reading these letters feel a little decentered you might not quite know where everything was going i don't know if that was your experience of reading but i didn't want people to feel yes. totally at ease when they were reading the letters 
Okay, but that's that's very very illuminating because while one does, in a sense, get lulled into this world, you do have the sense of where are we going with it, and do you do you want to tell tell us where it's going? Uh, I, I I sort of think that it's necessary to to. Yes, I mean, I mean, the, 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 you began by by talking about presence and absence. I mean, and and the 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 huge um, absence at the heart of 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 this whole story, this whole uh, house, is the fact that uh, Moise's daughter Beatrice, who was married to my grandmother's cousin Leon Reinach, and their children. Uh, were deported to Auschwitz uh, and murdered in 1944 and 1945. So that the, the, the house, Moise creates and gives this house to France as an act of thanksgiving for becoming French. And the, the children and grandchildren are, are, are deported from Paris, from Drancy, and murdered, and and so 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 there is that there is there you know and how do you deal with that because the the, the house that changed the house is a memorial, but the memorial that Moise built it for is 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 not aligned to the reality of of, of what it is now, and so I'm writing to Moise about about his gift. I'm also writing. To my lost cousins, to to, I'm I'm writing into that absence and trying to work out what it means. Uh, I should say in passing, perhaps, that that your description of what happened in France to the Jews in general and to your cousins in particular is absolutely direct. It has no spare adjectives. It, it it is the one of the most extraordinary accounts of this terrible period and and business that I've ever read, um, and so in the context of your book, it flips. Suddenly, you think, okay, that is where the author is going. Suddenly, you've got this very very stark contrast between the gilded interiors of the Hôtel de Camondo and the appalling fate of his descendants, which he, because of his death in 1935, has escaped. So he's left, you get this strange contrast uh, between this gift to the French nation and the actions of the French nation who have uh, turned against their new happy subjects and the the contrast is so extreme because the French were so extremely welcoming to Jews in 1791 they were made full citizens unlike anywhere else in Europe they were very advanced in in that particular respect so so the reversal is so extreme Um, so in having this dialogue with Moise de Commando and your cousins in this way, how do you feel 
in in relation to that what what does it mean to you that this gift so i suppose what it partly what it means is that is that i think i i, I talk about this in one of my letters that the, the 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 absence of the family and the presence of this extraordinary place um mean that nothing is settled nothing can be finished um it is unreconcilable um mm. it isn't elegiac it's not melancholic it's it's a perpetual um brokenness of act mm. um that can't be resolved and 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 you know that's what a memorial genuinely does it keeps it doesn't tamp things down or 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 produce closure it keeps things in a state of of unredeemed and unredeemable um keeping loss alive it keeps loss alive and 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 that's a very powerful thing to try and write about and try and navigate. I, I, I quote the extraordinary Viennese writer Jean Amery, who survived the concentration camps and then and then took his own life in, in 1970, where he where he talks about basically, you know, it, it nothing is is finished here. That you know, don't don't try and make me uh, make make the Holocaust a finished thing because. You know, it, it, the, the the meaning of it is is something that is endlessly um, un, unfolding for generation to generation, and I think that's true. I think that's true. I think there's a real a real heart to that. So so what I'm trying to do is to you know as here I am in my fifties, my father in my in my nineties, and there's all these different bits of 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 life going on around us is to try and and understand two things one is how this could occur you know how could this occur in paris and that's and that's why that's why i talk about the language of drumont and anti-semitism and dreyfus and all that language which which burgeons and burgeons and reaches this 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 poisonous moment um, in 1940, this flowering of, of langu- the language of, of, of anti-Semitism. Um, it, uh, so I talk about language in that way, but I also, parallel to that, try and talk about assimilation, you know, making yourself something different, trying to become, become a citizen of a new country, trying to disappear into that country, or, or trying to be a, a, a model citizen in that country, and, and who doesn't want that to occur? Uh, uh, and both of those things, the language and that model of assimilation, are things which are still absolutely palpably alive in our culture now. You know, both of those things are, are present here. Well, the, it's interesting you mentioned that particularly. The, the, uh, the um, you referred to this process also in the context of. Um, giving your own archives back to Vienna 
And I think two-thirds of the Netsky you gave back to Vienna and a third you've sold for the benefit of refugees. And yes. you, it is at that point you, you, you um, say that you want to avoid elegy and, the, and you, go into, you, you refer to the, the impossibility of, of closure there. You also use a curious phrase that, that I'm interested to ask you about. You say, I don't need to live like this. I don't need to pass it on. In a flippant way, one knows what you need, or very colloquial way, of course, one understands what you mean. But do you want to expand any more what you meant mean by I don't need to? I don't, I, I honestly don't know. And I think that, you know, my, 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 my genuine answer to that, which is a very, um, a very deep personal question to me, is that I suppose I'm working this out both in, in, in the books that I write and in the things that I make, is I'm trying to work out where I come from and what, I'm, uh, and what kind of agency I have in the world now and what I'm going to pass on. And so, you know, it can, be, it can end up as a, a, um, like the Library of Exile. I did that project, you know, which yeah. was in, 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 in Venice and then Dresden and British Museum and has gone on, this library to reflect... The, the the meaning of exile and ref, writings of, of, of refugees. Yeah. So you know that's that's an attempt to try and do something with the, with with what I've inherited, or, or or I find myself making things you know in the studio and making and breaking things and making vitrines as you pointed out earlier, or or else I can navigate, which I was doing all last year, in silence just writing letters, um, trying to work out about about what Moise was doing by making this memorial and what it means now and what we are doing when we try and hold something together. A family story. I mean, goodness sake, the shelves of your bookshop are full of people like me who've tried to hold a family story together, tried to keep that fragmentary, diasporic, granular, painful stuff and bring it together in a book. What are we trying to do? Um, and why is, it, why is it always going to fail? I mean, that's the other end to that. <laughs> Do do you feel that you, you don't say such a thing? But I wonder if you feel there is something particular in the times in which we now find ourselves that prompted you back into all that. You say very emphatically you feel yourself to be European, um, and the sense of um, language slipping and and, and problems of truth and language and so forth it, it's absolutely it's absolutely the sort of it's 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 absolutely something that's been burning away over the last yeah. few years i mean you know it's the it's the re-erection of borders and frontiers it's yeah. the it's the it's the endless questioning of of you know who are you where do you belong who you know are you are you really British, are you? Do you belong here or or there? You know, who, who whose side are you on? And and the toxicity of all that language of 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 place and belonging um, is 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 absolutely sickening to me. 
Um, yeah. It's absolutely yeah. sickening to me. And I, I just can't, I, I just see, I, you know, I, I hear the language and I just see people queuing up in desperation outside consulates and embassies trying to get visas to escape and failing and that whole endless iterative thing of of people in power telling others where they belong and and it, it's bloody awful it's bloody yeah. awful well, I, you know you know <laughs> so um at the beginning of the book and at the end, you you um, you raise the question of archives. Um, uh, you say very at a sort of key moment what a great honour there is in archivists. Do you is that viewing their work as repositories as retainers of? Re- guardians of a repository or something more active is it just the physical presence of archives or an antidote to what primo levi calls the assault on memory or is this something more active klemper bearing witness it, it, it it's both those things so so you, you know on the on 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 the walls of the library of exile i wrote a, a sort of threnody a kind of history of the lost destroyed libraries of the world book burnings and 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 you know from from antioch all the way through to kind of isis burning down the libraries of, of mosul you know only a few years ago i mean so and, and and i also mentioned my grandfather's library in vienna you know looted by the nazis and lost so you, you know there is witness around archives uh, um archives are important because uh, because uh, they're not for you <laughs> they're for the next generation and generation beyond yeah. so you know it's you, you you know you don't own the things in the archive they are they are complex uh, multivocal um um uh, uh, instruments for for rethinking things in the future um you're handing on possibilities which you cannot even believe uh, um incredible um in the present day to 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 to, a, to to another generation so that's why they're import, important assault on assault on, on on truth you know um everything at the moment is 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 within you know is the the digital moment so so it's terribly significant as well to to keep alive um actual spaces with actual actual objects and and um the wonderful librarian of the bodley library <laughs> who wrote that fabulous book uh, richard ovenden yeah, indeed uh, yeah. tremendous tremendous book and i had a had a great conversation about this where and he was saying you know um uh, um this this is there's, there's a a reason for keeping alive physical spaces where books objects and paper mm. exist um you know that 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 slows down the atrophying of the of 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 um of of language into 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 um the digital moment um then going back to from the written word to to objects there's a among the sort of central objects that you referred to is the Renoir portrait, 
of um, Irene Caron d'Anvers, the otherwise known both as the girl with the blue ribbon and La Petite Irene. It's the portrait of her, the mother of Beatrice, the wife, or should I say ex-wife, of the divorced quite soon of Moïse de Camondo, and she converted to Catholicism. But there was this Renoir portrait of her as a girl, which eventually, which found its way into Goering's collection when the, uh, it was looted, and then now is in the Fondacia Burla in Zurich, a foundation whose money derives from armaments sold to the Nazis. And you, you say an interesting thing about lives slipping into art. What, in the context of this picture, what, what do you mean by this? So this portrait sort of haunts the book as well, because it's a it's a portrait that Charles Frissy got his friend Renoir to paint of Irene as a child, and then there is this passage. As you as you as you've said of this portrait, um, and actually one of the things during the war and one of the things the dre- the dreadful moments in in the whole story of this port- particular portrait is that is that one of the reasons the family was targeted is because they wanted to keep hold of this portrait. You know, they they made a fuss about it. They said, "Please don't take this portrait away," and therefore they they went. Their visibility was 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 magnified to the Nazi authorities. And as you say, it goes on. But the point being, people slip into art and are lost. That that this is a pretty Renoir portrait of a a girl, a young girl sitting in, you know, um, probably in a garden, her family house. You know, it's an enchanting sort of portrait, the right size that you might have in a drawing room. The salon. Um, that's why Goering likes it. That's why this particular post-war um, art collector buys it. But the story is absolutely awful. The story of this picture, the story of this family, this girl who became a woman who survived but saw her daughter... abandoned her daughter um, is 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 there and lost simultaneously in this picture and 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 that's why you need to look hard at pictures you know or handle objects you know damn it net scale the same you know hand you know you need to have things back in your hands you need to you need to shake them hold them so what is it that happens with objects come now we come back to objects Edmund they they seem to be such powerful repositories of history as if their tactile quality or immediacy somehow bears associations at a subliminal level or do I mean liminal I'm not sure what what's going on you know, it's not straightforward <laughs> to talk about the witness of objects because there it is, you know, it's a piece of stone or porcelain or wood or whatever. But actually, you, you know, as someone who makes these things, <laughs> um, 
that there is, you can tune in deeply into the multiple meanings and presence of objects that have had these complicated lives you can you can you you can you can you can hear them you really can um i absolutely believe this it's i i i i, I get i no i'm no longer embarrassed about this <laughs> because i think it's true and i you know i and, and and you can you you know you can feel that in when you see a a, a broken when you can see iconoclasm, you can see a broken statue, or you can see, you know, a, a, a illuminating manuscript where where someone has taken a scalpel and a, a knife and erased an image in order to try and uh, destroy destroy something. And and the the absence is or the brokenness tells you so much more. It takes you directly into the making and 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 the, and, and the and the life of of, of that object. Uh, and you've got that in the Mo in Moise's house in the music Camondo, and you absolutely got that in that poignancy of that particular picture. You know, um, you, you, there is there's a real painful story there, which once you know it, alters the picture forever, absolutely forever. That there is an uncanniness to to objects, they, the way that they can embody the pathos of exile, displacement, dispersal, and your your articulation of that in in the hair with amber eyes was one in which the context where, where all the objects had vanished, except the next key, and and now you've done it again in this letters to Camondo. It's it's an astonishing book. It's so short. It's, it's so short. But it, you've done it. I'm so happy. I'm so happy to hear you say it. It is. You, you, you speak of it as something you tossed off when you've got nothing else to do. No, I, no, no, I, no, I care. No, I, but, but you know, oh, God, for God's sake, you know, you, you kind of, you never know. You, you write something and you, it, you know, it's, I mean, how on earth are you ever going to know if it's going to touch another reader you just don't know you just don't know you just don't know and 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 you know the other thing if you want to talk about objects john i mean you know um actually what i'm very proud of quite like the writing but i actually put this book together with great care as an object so um you know it's meant so it's the size of a book that you might be able to put into your pocket and and it's got got a textured cover, and under the cover, there's the embossed seal of 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 Moise, and, and I've I've chosen the kind of the pictures, which are photographs, uh, you know, in a sort of Sebaldian way. I hope, <laughs> you know, so they sort of slip in in amongst the amongst amongst the letters. So, I'm I'm hoping that it's a book that that that, that works. I mean, we all we're all mad about the feel of books <laughs> you know but I hope it feels good when you open it up and, and it feels like a book of letters actually that's what I really wanted it to feel like it, f it feels absolutely exquisite book to handle and it it, it is a book of letters but and, um, again 
it has um it's one which the associative force of objects is although located with your family here it's so obviously universal which is why the book is about so much more than its immediate mise-en-scene the mise-en-scene the immediate mise-en-scene makes it very difficult to read without weeping over and over again actually but it, but it is about much more than that and sort of winding up really i i want I want to say that everybody should read this book, not just those interested in French decorative arts of the late 18th century or those interested in Proust or whatever. It is a deeply affecting, engaging, seeing, feeling book, a meditation on the world in which we live. Um, So thank you, Edmund, for taking the trouble to talk to me and to our customers. It's, incidentally... Available at fourteen ninety nine if you contact the shop, and if COVID arrangements admit, we hope Edmund will drop by to sign some copies. Thank you, Edmund. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation, and of course, for all the love and support from the bookshop too. So, thank you, thank you very much, Johnny. <laughs>